Hello. If you're looking for deep truth and authenticity in a world that feels more and more artificial every day, you've come to the right place. If you're in need of a breath of, breath of fresh air, welcome. I'm Bianca. I'm Reagan. And this is a Breath of Fresh Air podcast. We're going to start today with a thought of the day. Can you hear me good? Should I get closer? Yeah. No, you're closer? good. You're good. Oh, I'm good. You're, no, you're, you're crystal clear. Okay, awesome. Uh, we're going to start with a thought of the day, which is if the body is a temple, it means that every action is a form of worship, but in service of what? I love that. You want to jump in on that? Yeah, sure. It, was, it reminds me of like one of those Buddhist proverbs, how it's kind of just like leaves kind of open ended for you to for the like you to ponder on. But I really love that. And it's so true. You know, it makes me think of living very intentionally, which is a goal of mine, but it can be really hard in, in such like a busy world. But I think the more intentional we can be with every action it's just creates such you just realize what a conscious creator you really are instead of just kind of being on autopilot yeah it makes me think a lot about like responsibility too like when we take responsibility for our actions and recognize what their those actions are tied to what we're saying about ourselves to the choices we make and the actions that we choose to engage in i think it just just makes it more it grounds it's like a grounding thought a lot of my thoughts are like ooh, <laughs> you know kind of like just <laughs> philosophical but I feel like that thought kind of like grounding for me of like hmm literally what am I doing in my day-to-day -day? like you know and that almost like again that marriage of the sacred and the you know the carnal yeah that's so good that's so good and it, it is grounding and so I think that's so important especially in these times it, it is so easy to be up in the clouds and lately I feel like I've been in my body more than I've ever been and it just it feels like a whole new experience honestly <laughs> can you talk more about that yeah I think a lot of it has to do with like gardening I've been like gardening so much you know like it's like they say like laying on the grass isn't enough <laughs> you know so sometimes it's like I need to actually put my hands in the dirt and um, just, you know, so, so much comes up when you're doing that, just like that connection we have with the earth, with the soil, you know, everything we eat is from the dirt, you know, sometimes I think it, it's easy to forget that when we're not connected to, you know, our food and what we're consuming. And, you know, earlier, when I was meditating, I've just been kind of feeling this sensation having been more consistently grounded now, where when I used to be kind of more in these like really relaxed, trancey kind of states, I definitely felt like I was almost hovering above my body. Like I, it makes me feel like I'm somewhere else, very much so. I don't really feel like I'm in my body. Whereas today I felt this experience like I was in, you know, one of those really trancey kind of states, but I was also at the same time very in my body, very aware, you know, feeling the heaviness of, because it's so trippy to me to be in the body, you know, it's like, whoa. So it's, it's kind of a new experience, but it feels like that's so important because, you know, people talk about embodiment a lot. And I think that's really the key is like, 
you know, taking these, these different states that we want to experience, maybe joy, abundance, creativity, and, you know, actually being able to embody them, you know, especially a lot of times when we get triggered or, you know, anxiety, it's very much a bodily sensation, you know, so it's all kind of connected to that. There's so much, there's so much there as usual. Like, I mean, even when just the beginning of what you're saying about everything we eat comes from the dirt and it, what I was thinking is like, and if it doesn't, should we be eating it? <laughs> you know, like if there isn't that connection to the earth and to the dirt, you know, what happens to that thing that we're consuming, which almost also relates to what you're saying. Like when we're not connected to the earth, we're not in our body, that human vessel, like what happens to us? Like when we're, cause I can relate to that, like feeling like almost always a little bit out of body <laughs> and like, Oh, you know, trying to stay grounded can feel almost like a task at times. So yeah, I think it just makes me think about that. Like what happens to us when we're not grounded or what happens when the things we're consuming aren't grounded in the dirt, which I feel like is literal, but also could be like metaphorical in a sense. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I think it's really common when you're honest with yourself. I think that's part of this evolutionary journey is that we've all really been so, most of us have really been out of our body because it's like to come into your body is you know it's a lot of that shadow work I think with like feeling that pain because a lot of times we don't want to be in our body because it's heavy it's painful it's uncomfortable in a way you know for like I think when we have trauma and stuff it's like you know we fragment we we go outside of the body because it doesn't feel safe to be in here so like that that embodiment work is like the work of being like oh like I am safe in my body it is safe to be in my body <laughs> Yeah, you know, I found too that so much of healing really is like in healing the nervous system, you know, so that you can feel safe in your body again after you've been through a trauma or you've been through, you know, something that's created a disconnection with yourself. I feel like it makes me think for this episode that the that it's like grounding in imagination, which I feel like can have two meanings, right? Like grounding it in, bringing it in, and also being grounded in it. Yeah, I love how you said that. I love how you brought in the nervous system too, because that was like definitely what I was thinking of, I, but I couldn't find the words. And that really is what it is, because there's so much, you know, like our triggers are like, we want, for example, we want abundance but every time we think about money, you know, we clench up like our body literally holds those memories, you know what I mean, of not having enough or, you know, whatever the case may be when we when we have something that triggers us, it's it's a bodily sensation. So like literally being able to recognize that and start to regulate your nervous system, you know, and that changes your reality because it's like it's your vessel, you know, it really is your temple. And I agree so much, too. It's definitely you know, and, and it's kind of like as above, so below, you know, reaching these high, high states of consciousness that we are, that we come from, you know, that our soul is. But I think the real work is also very much, yeah, grounding in so much, because if you're not grounded more and more in this day and age, it's like you're seriously, it's so intense to not be grounded. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Yeah, it makes me think of this quote that I really love. And it's, um, if you've built, excuse me, if you have built castles in the air, your work need not be lost. That is where they should be. Now put the foundations under them, which is Henry David Thoreau. I love that quote so much because I think a lot of times I would feel shame like about all these ideas that I would have or like where my imagination could go. And I think at times, this is why I like this conversation so much already because being grounded in imagination or grounding in imagination is, is that balance is so important because I think you can use your imagination as escapism or like a way to not live your reality. And I definitely have like been that before I've been in that place before. So I love that quote because it's like, there's no fault in having this imagination where you built castles in the sky. Now just do the next part. You know, it's not necessarily wrong. You just haven't finished the whole, it's not whole yet. It's not complete without those foundations. That is so perfect. I can't believe that. That's such an amazing quote and it's so fitting, you know, so fitting because literally, you know, that's something that I do, you know, in my imagination. And just to be clear, you know, when we're talking about the imagination, you know, we're we're really talking about the third eye. You know, we're talking about our ability to see and perceive infinite realms of consciousness. You know, they, they try to make it sound like imagination's made up stuff, but it, it really is our pineal gland. It really is tuning into literally infinity. You know, there's anything that we can see, we can, you know, we can imagine, we can experience. And um, yeah, that's so powerful. I think it's such an amazing, amazing balance, you know, and it really is a balance because it's like, actually I've been so grounded lately that today when I was really tapping to my imagination, like deeply for, you know, I, I think we all naturally use our imagination every day, but really going deep in, into it for the first time in a while. And yeah, just feeling how it's it's so it's so connected, and I think it is so powerful when you can be kind of more centered in that. Yeah, that resonates so deeply for me because, you know, I think sometimes I've almost been like you mentioned this idea of oh, that's just made up stuff. <laughs> so it's like I'm being silly. Like, why am I being so silly? Why can't I be realistic? is a lot of times the stories that I've told myself, like I need to be more realistic, but that's not necessarily the case, right? And to go back to the quote, that's why I love, I love that quote. Cause like, no, I don't necessarily need to be realistic. I just need to make those things real if that's what I desire. And like another thought I've had a lot is, I think sometimes humans, all of us and me included, I can get caught up looking for evidence, but I feel like some a message I received in my spirit is like, you are the evidence, like create the proof. You don't need to look for it out there. You know, when we receive an idea, we can be the person who creates the evidence that it's possible, you know, in our own lives. Yeah, and that's the bridge, you know, being the bridge, because we really are like world bridgers, you know, we're like bridging these worlds. I think that's a big part of what we're doing, especially as light workers on this conscious mission of, you know, doing this kind of evolutionary work of coming out of the box, you know, the, the matrix box that we've been in and starting to kind of, you know, do this pioneering work of going into the unknown, you know, it's the unknown for us and, and, and starting to kind of bridge, bridge that new energy 
into our bodies, you know, kind of like as conduits, you know, our bodies are, um, you know, being here physically is what's helping humanity in the earth so much because we're, you know, actually here like emanating, you know, this energy in our bodies, you know, versus, you know, maybe our spirit guides and um, angels, which do such powerful work. So, so much gratitude for them, but like they don't have physical bodies here, you know, so it's like, we're like the boots on the ground in that way. Yeah. And it's so interesting, like, when an idea is something that's positive, it often I feel gets discredited. But like, technically, everything is made up stuff. Like, you know, someone had an idea to make that guitar that you have on your wall, it wasn't a thing. And then someone was like, I'm going to design this guitar this way. And there had to be someone who got received the insight to create a guitar in general before we ever had, you know, like if we would go way back, it was the loot or whatever. And we could keep going back. And it was all these ideas that people made real, just like, I mean, everything we can see physically was something that was made up, but it's like this, this discouragement in the collective from, for people to not use that part of themselves, that creative part of themselves, you know, on a lot of levels. But it, I think, especially when it comes to the imagination, like, come on, like, get like be real like be real you know what I mean I don't know if you've ever gotten that kind of messaging but I I really have a lot of times definitely I mean that's I feel like that's kind of like public school you know it's kind of like you know one second you're playing with crayons and making crafts and then the next second it's like like no like we don't do that anymore you know I feel like that's kind of like just society not realizing how important that is but also what you say it makes me think of um, you know, I'm a big fan of Nikola Tesla. And, you know, that was like a, such a brilliant being that is responsible for most of the technology we have now. And even technology we could have, but we don't have. But he was very open about talking about how all of his inventions literally came from his imagination. Like he would see it in his mind and it would literally like he explained it like that. And, and then, like you said, he would just, you know, follow that to to bring it into physical existence you know and people thought he was nuts it's like that with everything but you know we all have that connection to that source if we can really kind of hone in on it and start trusting it and like you said bringing it into fruition it's powerful yeah and like i think it's so interesting what you said too about like when we were kids we're playing with crayons and it's just natural and it just flows so easily and then that flow gets disrupted in a very, a very abrupt and like, you know, I think it creates fragmentation the way that that happens to pretty much every kid, you know, in the U.S. We can speak for sure about that. It's like, what? <laughs> like, why would something that's natural as a child? I, I think that's a big thing I've seen, too. Like, you just throw away everything from being a child when you become an adult. I think is that's the conditioning. Like it's like, oh, that's only kids do that. And that I think artists are the ones who mo mostly embody that, you know, more the most fully. But then artists are looked down on a lot of times in society, like that that's not a real job or like, you know, oh, that's a nice picture painting. <laughs> but like it's not really respected. Yeah, that's so true. And literally the arts are, 
you know, that's like one of the biggest ways that like we inform society, really, you know, that's what it's really about. It's really about, you know, I think that's what art is really, you know, it's about expressing, you know, the beauty of life and also like really um, just again, pioneering like these, these other states of consciousness or questioning the status quo or like all of these types of things that humanity needs, you know, and it's like, there's definitely been a big, kind of push to like um I don't know kind of repress that you know with all of this sort of like cookie cutter stuff you know we've talked about this a lot with like with um art and in this movement that we're starting to see it seems I feel like a huge revival of real art is is happening now but for so long it's kind of like at least in the mainstream it's like very dried up. And I think that's kind of done on purpose, like just kind of movies repeating themselves a lot. You know, music all kind of sounds the same, you know, in the mainstream I'm just talking about. But, you know, so I think that's kind of like a result of um, that, you know, result of repressing like these creative energies in so many people. Yeah. I mean, because even when you're a kid, they tell you color inside the lines. Yeah. And a lot of what you're learning is how to stay. I know that's like, it's literal and metaphorical. Like you can create as long as it doesn't make people uncomfortable, as long as you're saying what people want to hear right now. But I think real art is always, like you said, revolutionary because it's pushing the envelope in some way or it's bringing in something maybe familiar, but in a different way, in a new way. There's always, you know, there's creation there versus what we see a lot of times is like, more like imitation, right? You're like imitating a form that's been decided is acceptable. That's not, you know, that's not really like true art or like real, you know, art. It makes me think back to like something I said in another episode about like fake flowers. Like, you know, it looks nice, but it's just not real. Yeah. And so much of it is like about money, you know, and it's kind of sad that it's like that. And again, I think that's like the mainstream thing. But then sometimes like, you know, we try to it, humans try to kind of imitate that, you know, whether it's to like receive clout and fame and approval or money, you know, things like that. And we just kind of have these programs in the back of our head that I think as like artists, it's it's so important for us to like be aware, be aware of, you know. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, I, I know personally there's times where I'm like, I can't do it like that. And then I'm like, where did I get that idea that I, I can't do it that way? Like, it's like a made up rule and I'm making myself stay inside these lines. And I'm like, Oh, I have to stay inside the lines. You know what I mean? Yeah, literally that's what it is. It's, you know, and that's something I kind of was thinking about lately, not to take it in another direction, but like with the mind control programming and stuff like that, that, you know, we're all clearing. It's crazy because, you know, we, it's like a fractal, like we can see it really clearly in like our society, how it's like divide and conquer. And it's so effective. It's so effective to divide and conquer, you know, people based on things that, you know, really don't even matter. But I feel like it's the same way internally. It's like we have like a divide and conquer within ourselves of like, you know, our soul, our inner child, like our being It's like, oh, I want to do it this way. But then it's like, then there's like that conflict sometimes, you know, that can be really, really hard of like, no, I can't do it that way. You know, it's like a ping pong. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And I feel like something that I've been thinking about is, is the importance of like keeping that space pure, the space that you create from and like, just not, there's not really, when we're creating, I don't think there's supposed to be noise or maybe even thoughts to go back to what you're talking about, Nikola Tesla, I think he was not really thinking, right? He was like channeling. And if he was thinking too much, it probably would have gotten in the way of his ability to really make those things real. Because he'd be like, ah, how would that work? I don't... And then you're trying to understand something instead of experiencing it and like bringing it in, embodying it. You know, I think that when the mind comes in, especially when you're trying to create, it just becomes something else or it that that mind bleeds in and it can still be beautiful and the art can still be mostly authentic but it's become even just a little bit even if it's just a little bit polluted by those thoughts and that noise and your opinions or what you think other people's opinions are going to be that's such a great amazing point because yeah i feel like that and i feel like that's what set nikola tesla apart from so many other you know, scientists of, of his time and and definitely of our time as well. But like, I think that's why he was able to do so much is because he was such a clear channel. You know, even though he was a brilliant mind, he, he didn't have, I think he knew how to allow himself to tap into those faculties instead of just like, you know what I mean? Some of, I guess, you know, he kind of, like all the other people that were kind of trying to copy what he was doing, they, I think they kind of had more of that, like, what you're talking about kind of a pollution yeah like the imitation piece you know where because imitation is always like you're viewing something from the outside and trying to create it from the outside in when anything genuine or real is created from the inside out and so like when you're imitating something you're you're trying to figure out how something's moving but you don't know what that feeling is or what that state of being was for the person creating it. So it's just never, it's never going to connect the same way when you're doing it or when you're putting it out, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. It's incredible too that we all, and that's the thing that it's so important to remember, I think, is that we we all have that connection to that source and that our unique, infinite creative potential of what what we could bring into this life into this into this world is so grand and again it it is exactly that quote is fantastic you know to be able to you know access these higher things whatever it is you know whether we're talking about art or just life inventions businesses lifestyles like whatever it is you want to experience and create to be able to allow yourself to tap into that which can be hard sometimes because you know, the, a lot of times the ego doesn't even want to go within like that. You know, it's like there's always going to be an excuse or a distraction or something. But when you really can just allow yourself to go in and just see, you know, because it's so it's so powerful. It's so wild because when you do that, you no matter who you are, you can start to access your it's like an inner landscape. You know, it's like your psyche. You don't even know what you're going to find. You really don't. It's really adventurous, honestly sounds so epic like the way you describe it (laughs) i want to see a movie and the movie is like you start with like the person and you zoom in and then you see their inner landscape like i just it made me feel like i want to see a movie about that but it's like as you're saying it's available to everyone 
<laughs> that's probably my conditioning. Like I'd love to see that happen <laughs> outside of me, <laughs> but like, yeah, I agree that there's like, it's like an energy, you know, like creative genius or genius, it's an energy. And so you can match that frequency or embody or call that energy in. But I do think it is like a thing where some people are more, are going to call in a certain type of genius and other people might call in a different type. Like it won't look the same for everyone, but I think everyone has the ability to tap in and it comes through that person in a way that only that person could like channel it. That is, yeah, exactly. And that's why it's so beautiful is because it's so important to remember that there, there are no gurus because exactly it's, it is going to look 100% different, you know, for everyone. Like maybe it looks similar to some, but like, that's why it's so important to discover for yourself because I know, you know, like today I was meditating really deeply and it was like, I was just kind of exploring these powerful things. And I was like, I don't know if I could share these with people. I mean, I'm sure I could and they, they could have results, but it's like, I think we all just kind of have to have our own, you know, method to our madness. You know what I mean? But, but when you start, it's like, it's just crazy, you know, and it's funny you say inner castle because it's so spot on because that's something that, and I never read this, like I just intuitively, I feel like this, other people probably do this as well, but I just intuitively when I was younger, I literally do have an inner castle. Like I literally have in my imagination, a castle I go to and it's like, I imagine it and I can see it, you know, and I try to, go, you know, visit there. I haven't gone there for a while until today, but I realized like I should go there more again. And it's like, you know, it's just crazy. It's my, it's like an inner landscape and there's all these rooms. It's, there's always people there. Like I'm always seeing like spirit guides or like my grandparents or ancestors or animals. And it's like symbolic, you know, if I need to go into the basement, like, you know, for the subconscious, or if I need to go into like the tower for like the super conscious. And it's crazy. I have these crazy experiences there and it sounds like so wild, but it's like literally at the same time, anyone, you know, anyone can do this. It's crazy. That's so, <laughs> sick. That's so sick. It like reminds me of those those movies where like someone <laughs> gets behind the computer and they're like tick, 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 and then they project something and then like they created like a holographic thing to experience the program. Like that's what I imagine. But I on a funny note, like I feel like you kind of resemble Zelda, so it makes sense that you would have an inner castle. <laughs> <laughs> it just I makes me like yeah of course why wouldn't she <laughs> that's so no, that's I, amazing I love that like I find that really inspiring because I feel like for me I've definitely had moments in meditation or even sometimes just where I wasn't thinking or in a flow state where I felt like you know access to those parts of myself but it was never really like streamlined like that so I find that really like honestly inspiring because I'm like Huh, that lets me know something is possible that I haven't experienced, which I find inspiring. Like, it may not be a castle for me, but like, you know what I mean? Like, finding what that is for me, I would love to do that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. And then today I did something I never even have done before. And again, it's all just intuitive. Like, that's, that's the thing is you just kind of have to play and just see what happens. But like, mm -hmm. And it, but it will unfold. Like, that's really the key is just kind of like surrendering and, and relaxing into it and just kind of being curious. But um, like, I literally went into like, 
you know, it's like, you know, I just make up these rooms as I go because it's like, it's my imagination. I can literally do whatever I want. You know, it's not physical. Like I can literally, you know, it's crazy how, how, you know, instant manifestation there. But it's like, I had this like room, this like spa room. And I literally went in and just like had like the best healing ever. And it's like, I could feel it in my body. Like, I don't know. It sounds so crazy, but it's like, this is just, I share that to share what we're capable of. You know, it's like, wow yeah i love what you said about you just have to play because like that's the space where you know you're not overthinking in my opinion or what i've found is like when you're just like because i think for me the mind can be like well what what's the point though like what am i getting out of it like what what's supposed to happen and putting all these expectations and really what become like limits or like confine you're confining something that's not really doesn't exist in that construct it exists outside of that construct and so if you're entering it you could be in it but not realize because you're putting this construct or you're putting yourself in a box is something we say a lot of times and you're literally could be in that experience but separated from it just because you're not playing enough or you're not allowing yourself to enter a flow state allowing yourself to go there yeah, exactly. I think that is what hinders people the most is that like overactive logic, intellect, analytical side of the mind that is very useful tool, but like it, it's, it is so limiting and it really can hold you back a lot because that's the part of the mind that'll be like, yeah, like, what am I getting out of this? What am I doing? Like what it, it doesn't understand play, but that's what's funny is literally the universe is play for the sake of it, for the sake of play it's nothing we are so we're that's part that's got to be so part of mind control is thinking like in that way of like yeah it's good to solve problems but it's like life is greater than solving a problem like life just is and it's so hard for us to understand that you know like that unlocks so much for me right just thinking about the conditioning of like how we really are conditioned to think very linearly and very much like everything is it's like keeping our focus on something like here so that we never for example to make it more like to make sense how i'm seeing it, it's like staring at the paper and just staring at the paper and scribbling instead of ever looking up and realizing like i'm at the beach <laughs> or like there's a bounty castle right there but i'm sit sitting here stuck to the desk like i have to solve this problem but yeah that's not necessarily it's not necessarily wrong to try to solve the problem but like when we limit ourselves to only that experience it's not very enjoyable at all mm -mm. yeah we forget the mystery and that's so funny because it's like the mystery is what it's all about and we know that in our souls but it's like again that and that and going back to public school you know and I think it's done on purpose it really I think that's part of it you know what I mean it's like okay forget forget creativity, forget freedom, forget what your soul wants. It's like, we're literally going to force you to, you know, think this way, you know, everyone in the whole country, we want you to think the same way. And then it's so weird how it's kind of organized, like, okay, math, 30 minutes, do this. Okay. Like science, 30 minutes. Okay. Like, like we're going to tell you, it's, it's just like, it's so, it's just so strange. Like it's so not what life is you know it's, it's so, so disconnected yeah it's so disconnected too because in school you never know why you're learning anything either like what the math mm -hmm. relates to what 
what this historical fact relates to. Like you never are given any context, right? Like what you can actually do with math, really, really. Because like math, I mean, we live in a mathematical matrix. So actually understanding math can help you understand reality if you have that ability to know what you're learning. Does that make sense? But if you're just like, these are numbers and I'm learning how to add and like this, you have no idea the context of what you're learning. And so that also can keep you stuck to the paper because you're not even sure how to apply that really or what everything is, you know, the way that it connects to other things or you know what I mean? Because real learning is like seeing the connections and everything and being able to like flow almost. I think there's a real flow when you're really using even that intelligence of the mind where it's like, oh, this math actually reminds me of like this song and this song actually reminds me of this place and this place actually reminds me of this. So like, I think real intelligence is always fluid actually, but we're learning to like, like you said, these boxes, like 30 minutes, okay, this and this, and it's all separated and segmented and disconnected and just very confusing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's such a, that's, that's so true. That's so powerful. And I remember you know, not being able to articulate that as a kid, but feeling that very much, like feeling very frustrated with like, what am I doing? You know, why it's like, I'm literally being uh, forced to come here. And like, you know, it's like to be, to learn, we have to really be curious and passionate about what we're learning and human beings love to learn. But it's like, when you do that, it makes people, it also kind of makes people not want to learn because I think learning they associate learning with like this really rigid, um, abstract, just like, you know, it, it's not really natural, you know, to, you know, even like a lot of our, you know, I would say, I don't know, it's interesting, like it, a lot of our ancestors, you know, I think they had a, a, a different kind of intelligence that we've kind of lost just from being so Mm. in this system yeah I think it was like that the difference between embodiment right and like understanding how knowledge actually flows from us and to us in a way but all the knowledge that flows to us actually already came from us and a lot of times learning is remembering I've heard a lot of people say that you're remembering when you learn something and so we shifted from that we're remembering to like we have to prove we're worthy by learning these things outside of us to increase inherent like something that's already inherent. I think like I, I think there's even people in the world today who still embody that if if they're able to stay within their communities and their cultures, they're able to stay connected to that and they don't have as much of that that cloudiness and that fog because they're they've been able to maintain that connection to what their ancestors have known and what are all of our ancestors, the human race, we all know, but has become confused over time and on purpose. Yeah, that's amazing because it is remembering. I think about that a lot. It really, really is remembering because we have all of this in us, in our DNA, in our collective memory, in the human consciousness. And again, it's like, that's what's so incredible is like when you tap into your imagination and you practice it because everything's a practice, you practice it, you know, every day, even if it's just like five minutes every day, practice starting to be like a, a channel for that, that 
um, consciousness. It's like, it's so empowering and liberating because you do have access to all of this information and, and the information that comes to you and is presented to you. It's, there's is a divine order to it. You know, it's like, that's why going in your imagination is so powerful. Even if you just like go in your imagination and take a walk, you're going to mm -hmm. see things. You're going to oh. see animals. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to see like, okay, whatever, mountains, animals, like people, whatever, or nothing. But it's all going to literally be symbolic because that's how our psyche just is, you know? I've never heard someone say that. That just changed my life. If you go into your imagination and take a walk, that just like, dude... I've never heard anyone say that or like express that idea before, but I love that so much because it's like not just going into your imagination, but spending time there, really dwelling there, really exploring, really, you know, not being afraid. Cause I feel like sometimes even for me, like I'll go into my imagination and kind of like almost like pull myself out of it. Like, Oh, uh, you know, oh, I was just daydreaming. You know what I mean? Almost like discrediting the value in it by like, there's nothing, nothing wrong with the phrase daydreaming my opinion but I do feel like it can have this connotation of like you're doing something you shouldn't be doing mm -hmm. you shouldn't dream during the day I feel like is the context of that phrase but to say go for a walk in your imagination I love that so much me too it just came to me I didn't even think about it you know it's just how it is <laughs> I did want to share a quote that um, I, I was reminded of when you talked about the mystery and it's this quote by a poet named Rilke and the quote is be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a foreign tongue in a very foreign tongue do not now seek the answers which cannot be given to you because you would not be able to live them and the point is to live everything, live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. Oh my gosh, full body chills. Wow. And this is why we do it. This is why we dance. This is why we sing. This is why we create, you know, it's all in celebration of exactly what you just said. Yeah. And I love when, when I find these quotes of like people, this is, it just remind it's just another reminder. This is all remembering, you know, on so many levels, because we're not the first humans to be like, huh, I feel like we're missing the point here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like mm -hmm. the first people who tap into the creative side, like, what do I do with all these castles in the sky? You know, what do I do with them? Right. It's this thing that I love learning from people who may not be with us physically anymore, but they left these gems of like, almost like feeling this, like, I feel like they're whispering, you're not alone. Like, I see you, I get you, like we get each other. And this, it just feels like this, I don't know, just this beautiful like human connection that transcends time and space of like what this experience is. Yeah, wow, that is so powerful, so true. Well, that's been, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right, I know. I'm like, wow, like, I got to integrate that. that, and, that and, you know, that does, that is something I wanted to talk about is, like, the 
the integration because I think that has to do with what we're talking about as well is when you have you know you start going into your imagination and it is a practice too you know like you said like because that's so normal for all of us when we start doing it that's honestly I think part of the biggest work is like just learning to kind of like brush off those like this isn't real or like this isn't important or like what is this you know that really analytical side being able to still just just remember to come back to play you know that's why it is like such a practice especially when you first start coming into it consciously and consistently but then when you start doing it you will start having these experiences these visions these things that are happening and you know it's like so powerful and then that's when like that you know when you come out of that you're kind of like a new person because you have peeped this new information you know this new consciousness but it's like but then after that is kind of that grounding that integration that building the foundation you know that actually like um you know, being that bridge, you know, kind of like, it's like, because you could have like a crazy vision, you know, and this happens with plant medicine a lot, like ayahuasca, you know, people have, that's an easy extreme kind of example, but we don't need plant medicine or anything to do this. It's already inside of us. But that's just a good example of like, having people have really profound, crazy, you know, intense visions or healings or messages, you know, images coming to them that change your life. But then it's like, after that is the integration because it changes your life, but it doesn't automatically change your habits, change your lifestyle, change these things. Like that's the integration part of it. You know, that's just as important. Yeah, that's such a powerful point. It's like, we basically have to catch up to the information. Cause it's like this delay, like in the reality, you know, the physical reality between when that comes through for you and then like when the, re the the ripple effects you know almost like if you threw a you know like a stone in the pond or a pebble and it sinks and then it takes a second and then they go Doo -doo 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 -doo. <laughs> but you know and that can almost sometimes be like i've i found this i've never done plant medicine but like when i've had moments of like huge shifts whether it be through a meditation or like even something like yoga i can sometimes feel the difference of like when I started and when I'm laying on the mat and like the, the, in English, we call it corpse position, but I think it's called something else technically, <laughs> but like I can feel it. And then it's like, but then I open my eyes and in a lot of ways, everything looks the same around me, even though I feel that difference and I feel the shift. Um, that was a ramble, but I, yeah, I do agree with you that like the integration is so important. And I feel like sometimes not talked about and I think can lead people to being confused. Like what happened? Like, I don't understand. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, again, I think that's part of how a lot of, how a lot of us have been, you know, just kind of our, our generation, especially in this like kind of instant gratification. It's just like that programming where it's like, yeah, we want like crazy, um, you know, mystical experiences. Like, hell yeah. And it's like, you know, the integration and doing the work, it's like, hell no, <laughs> you know, it's like, but it is, but that's where, you know, that's, that's the grounding, you know, that's the grounding. That's like, just as fun, just as important, you know, part of the mystery as well. Yeah. And necessary too. Cause like, if you don't integrate it, then it like, 
it's it happened but it it's not real for you in your life like then it's just a cool experience you had versus something that shifts your life into a different you know frequency or shifts you onto a higher timeline like I guess it really depends on maybe it's not if your goal isn't to do that then maybe it wouldn't matter to you like I just want cool experiences well then I guess you could do that (laughs) but like if your goal is to like I want to shift myself to a higher timeline or the highest timeline that I can then you definitely want to integrate what you're learning or what you're receiving yeah because it, it it makes me sorry I just had this thought it makes me think about you know wisdom is applied knowledge right it's not just the knowing it's that like embodiment and the application yeah yeah no keep going you it's just so beautiful I agree that was it. I just I just heard you starting to talk. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's beautiful. Yeah, exactly. That is the wisdom. And, and you know, I think it's like that's how we really, I mean, that's how it is to expand. You know, you could still just keep, kind of also makes me think of like, you know, the 70s. Like I wasn't there, but I feel like for some reason spiritually I was there. And I, I love that music and that culture. It's just like I think I really was there in a past life or something. But um you know, sometimes I forget, you know, there's so much going on at that time. But one of the biggest things, I mean, it was the cultural revolution. But, you know, you kind of can't underestimate, like, how much, like, acid and mushrooms and just crazy stuff people were doing. But, like, you know, that's one of the reasons that music, you know, a lot of those people were, were tapping into unprecedented things, you know. And they were singing about love and peace and God and all of these things. Yeah, and it was so powerful and soulful, and I think it all happens for a reason, but but at the same time, you know, it, it kind of, like, um, you know, went out with a bang, you could say, like, that whole movement kind of, like, fell apart, though, because, and I think it, and I think it was a, it was a natural part of our evolution, and I'm grateful for it, but I think, you know, that was an example of, like, people having these high experiences but then not most people probably not really having like the tools maybe or the community or like the foundation to really integrate that. You know, it was like they were just kind of having these crazy experiences, but then it was kind of really unprecedented, you know, especially in the West. Like we didn't have any, I mean, we have like religion, like we don't have like anything at that time really to support like sustainably those kinds of like, um you know consciousnesses and so like that's kind of that's also like the the dark side I guess of doing drugs and even plant medicine if it's not properly integrated you don't have like elders or shamans or people that can actually like be there to be like hey you know um you know you can get psychosis or like anything you know or you could just it could just you know it can actually be damaging you know I feel like that whole movement a lot of those people did kind of, I hate to say it, but like sell out, you know, and freedom loving people ended up actually being very tyrannical, like later on. It's kind of crazy. That's so, one, like a cool history lesson. <laughs> but two, <laughs> you're like, in my studies, as I was hovering above in the 5D during the 70s, I noticed. <laughs> no, um... <laughs> But in this, on a serious note, like, it's such an important point, right? Like, because during that time, 
that was pretty normalized for a good chunk of that generation to be experimenting with like psychedelics and stuff like that. And it made me think of um, Ram Dass, who was more like a guru type or whatever, but, you know, from the West and he was like a psychologist or something. And in his book, Be Here Now, I think is what it's titled. He talks about like taking LSD and the problem he was like, I always, but I always came down, kept coming back down. And he's like, I wanted to stay there. Like I wanted to stay in that place. And the LSD wasn't cutting it, which left him in a space of like, what can I do? And, you know, then he went more into like diving into like the spiritual side of, of himself and like more embodying those states versus just visiting them or like having those cool experiences. But I think it was, it just reminded me of him because I felt like it was the perfect example of what you're talking about where like, you know, you could have those experiences and if they're not integrated, they're just experiences and they don't really shift that much for you in your lived reality. And then like the other point you made, like people going to these states, you know, in the 60s and 70s, like it's all love, like love is the answer. And then like how that generation ended up treating the planet and treating each other and treating their children. And interestingly enough, though, you know, all of that pain, I feel like it became the catalyst for our generation who are like actually embodying it, like as a state of being versus like a vacation. Oh, wow. Yeah. Full body chills. When you said that, I never really realized that that's so true. That's so true. And that's definitely what I feel like we're doing. And that's why I don't have any like bitterness towards that generation. Cause I think, I mean, obviously they did their best with what they had, you know what I mean? And and it did serve us because, again, I mean, amazing music, amazing stuff that came out of that time that inspired, you know, everything to this day. Like, that was, like, huge cultural shift, you know, from, like, the 50s. It was like, whoa, what the hell, you know? So, yeah, that's amazing to kind of see now how, how you know, how we're kind of starting to, like, take that on. That's really, really incredible how we're grounding in their imagination, right? Like becoming that foundation of like, you weren't necessarily wrong in like going there in your mind to these really cool, wacky places. And like, I, I think it's so interesting to listen to music from that time because it almost feels like the sound is moving backwards. Like it's just not moving the way that I feel like it should like, like, I love it. <laughs> but like, you know, it's like now it's like, I'm going to have to wait for my dog to stop scratching the carpet. Can you hear that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like, I think that's the beauty. It's like the beauty is in that zooming out or that ability to zoom out. Because if we stop at certain points, even in our personal story, it's like, oh man, that did not go the way that I wanted. Or I wasn't, I didn't execute what I thought I was going to. Right. But sometimes we don't see how we're the building blocks for these things that we may not see in our lifetime and, but we feel, and we have that vision, we have that imagination and we may call all of it in, in our lifetime. You know what I mean? But it may not be, but we're still doing that foundational work. And there's so much like honor in that, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it comes back to kind of what we were saying about the joy in the process, in the mystery, instead of just like results, results, results. If you live that kind of life, 
it's just like you're always gonna just be kind of in this like bipolar state because you're you're conditional like your joy is conditional it's conditional upon wanting to solve the problem and have these results again maybe that's fine with certain things but overall like you're kind of missing the point of life which is you know what we're what you're saying of like the the things that are greater than us and being able to be a part of them in like each moment and experience of them that's really the juice that our soul is after it's not just about because it's so crazy like you know it's not just about making things be like done you know the whole point of life was to like be infinite <laughs> and just keep going you know so you finish one thing you know it comes into the next thing yeah it's like I don't know it's almost like not to be like too nonchalant or optimistic but like when you have the understanding of like the continue the continual process that is life and that we're kind of just playing our part you know, it's all going towards the highest good, like I believe. So like, even those things that you're like, oh man, <laughs> that was rough. You know what I mean? Like, that's a part of it, but it's not the whole thing. And I find so much like upliftment in that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that is a practice in itself that, you know, I, I really also try to practice is like, and and it really, you know, not to keep harping on the mind control, but I think it really is part of coming out of that because it's like it, it that is so, again, boxed in and linear to like have the perception of like it's so it's so limiting, you know what I mean? Versus like and like when you're really enjoying the processes, you're freeing yourself so much because you're always going to be in a process, and that's really the heart of life you know it's like that's the, the the mystery you know and you can enjoy every minute of it instead of like having these conditions of like it has to be like this or it has to be like that I have to be done you know again it's just kind of like you're just going to be attached to a lot of suffering I think I love that you, what you said like you're always in a process because it's just such a simple way of like summing it up <laughs> you're always in a process yeah, my friend said, likes to say, genius ain't no person. It's a process. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's good. I love that. It, it, this, this part of the conversation also made me think of this reflection I had recently. And it was based off a quote. And I don't know who, who said this part. But the quote was, you are not meant to carry a mountain on your back. And then the reflection I had was, uh, maybe that's the thing. You have to put all of that debris and dirt at your feet. It's what you will climb on top of. It will become the path that leads to the peak. You wouldn't have had the material to build if it weren't for all of the things that were handed to you that felt too heavy to carry. You weren't supposed to carry it, but allow it to transport you along. It was never meant to keep you stuck. It was meant to be the fuel in, in the tank that takes you to, the, to places you could have never imagined at the start. And I think it made me think of that, too, because, like, sometimes you think about generations before us, like, oh, man, like, look what they didn't do and, like, all the things that all this pain that they handed us. But it's like, you know, maybe all of those things that feel too heavy to carry are the things that we can use as building blocks for ourselves in the next generations and the next generations instead of viewing it as like, you know, this is going to hold me back. It's like, well, if it's too much to carry, what can I do with it? 
Mm, that is so beautiful. That is so beautiful. And that is the best way, I think, to to look at it and to, to use it, you know, because it's alchemy. And we really do have the ability to, to do that. And honestly, that's how I really see it, too. You know, I really see, like, you know, the, the older generations, our parents' generations, you know, a lot of people see them as being, like, difficult or whatnot. But I, I really see them as, as have taken a huge burden huge burden they took on you know they may not know it or see it like that but they took on a huge burden that that now we have the ability to access these high states of consciousness because of that you know even if that most of that generation might not ever get to experience what we get to experience now you know but it's like without them having kind of like it, it makes me think of like they're like oxes like they're just really like mm hard you know hard working dense you know I don't know maybe that's just my perspective but like you know I, I really do so I really do honor them a lot and I think that what you said is true you know it's like now we can take that on and continue you know getting better and better for the next generations yeah I love that I I feel like you know, some situations or people give you gems and some people give you material. You know, either way, you can use that material to create anything that you choose, really. But I think sometimes we get stuck with that view of like the antagonism, as you mentioned. I think that's a beautiful perspective because I feel like that's another level of the duality where I think it's like young versus old. But if we see ourselves as we are, which is all part of a collective, each playing a different role, and from a place of love at the core, we can say like, wow, actually, I have so much respect for, and I can't even imagine what you went through in a literal sense. I can maybe feel some of that in my body or like in the way I was raised, but I didn't feel the full brunt of it like you did. And so like, I think that's a beautiful way of looking at it because it changes that almost narrative and, and kind of like neutralizes it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it really is the truth, you know, and, it, and, and it's kind of easy to see in a way because it's like we know that, you know, hurt people hurt people. And it's like, you know, maybe um, again, like, you know, I used to want, you know, my parents or my parents generation, like I wish they could maybe tap into, um, you know, some of this more free and kind of stuff. But it's like, but it's and, and they can, but it's like, you know, I feel like they did what they were supposed to do, really. And I'm really grateful for that. You know what I mean? Like they did what they're supposed to do. They got us here. You know, how could I be, you know, irreverent towards that? You know, even if like we don't agree or something, even if we're totally on different pages, it's like I'm I'm grateful. You know, I think that's a, that is the best way to look at it, because it's like you got to have peace with what is. <laughs> that's so beautiful and like it's so I find that so healing like personally I find that really healing because I you know I feel like I've seen in the mainstream and even heard a lot of discourse where it's like this like you know there's there's it feels like at times when I've seen that stuff where it's felt like there was just no real resolution or way for us to see each other and and like you said you know, sometimes that generation won't see us. But I think if we can really just ground in that love, we can see them. And like, it doesn't necessarily mean we'll have the relationship I think we may want with them. But if we can hold that space of like love for them, regardless, 
you know, there's a lot of power in that too. Just like, hmm, you may not have, have the capacity at this state to love me the way that I deserve or the way that I deserve to be held. But if I can just have that perspective and zoom out and realize, actually, I don't even need anything from you anymore. You gave me everything I already needed. Uh, I can send that love to you and just be free, even more free and having that love and appreciation and compassion. And if that's not breaking the ancestral chains and curses, I don't know what is, you know, that's so powerful. The way you just said that is just so beautiful. I'm riffing off you, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's true though, you know, and I think that's another, I mean, God, anything where there's two, it's always divide and conquer. So it's like, oh yeah, it's the older generation's fault. And they're like, oh my God, this younger generation. It's like, it's so black and white and it's so not like that. You know, every generation has its pros and cons, but it's like, we're literally the same. Like, come on, it's so ridiculous. Like the least we can do is try to be civil at the very least, let alone see each other and respect each other, you know? And, you know, we can only do what we, you know, ourselves, we only can, you know, we can't change other people. But I think it's so true that when we show up more, with respect for ourselves, the older generation, the younger generation, like have that space, not in an expecting way, but just like allowing them to be who they are and allowing them to, you know, keeping the possibilities open, I guess, to, you know, for their um, peace, you know, for their, um, you know, potential. Yeah, I love that. In my mind, I saw this visual, right? Like, you know, it used to be we understood lineages. When you think of a lineage, you think of a line, right? Like this line, this connecting line. And it's like, it broke off and then it became a dividing line. But if we can just like come back and be like, you know, even if, cause I, I feel like there are cases in which it's not necessarily healthy for some people to have that relationship that we would consider normal with a parent or parent figures. But if we can just even embody that, you know, honoring that lineage whatever that means for us as individuals it's so healing like you said and like it it's less fragmentation in the world less fragmentation within ourselves less hate you know for entities or you know these energies to feed off of and it kind of neutralizes it because you need two sides to have a war at least and so if there's no longer sides there's no longer this dividing line, but there's this lineage again, you know, then the generations that come after us maybe never even be able to fathom the kind of division that we experience. Like there may be some duality, of course, somewhat, some contrast kind of keeps this thing going, (laughs) but not to the degree that we experienced it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that really is like, our role is and that's the strange part because it's like it's it is very quantum because we're looking for yes or no and it really is kind of both you know it's like really just standing in that light and just like it it somehow it's it it transforms and like overcomes like the whole conflict and it's so crazy but it, it really is so true can you say more about that i feel so drawn into that yeah and because something too I feel like this is connected to it that I was thinking about you know when we're speaking about um you know the general the the generation in the 70s and whatnot and I think another another 
uh, factor of that was kind of, honestly, I want to say like naivety, you know, kind of like being really like, you know, receiving, and it's not really their fault. It's literally just like evolution, the way that it has to happen. But it's like, you know, receiving all this love, you know, all this energy, all these high states of consciousness. And again, not, not only not being able to anchor it, but also I think being a really, I think a lot of them are probably, again, it's not their fault really, but naive to like the evil and to like the, the darkness that did kind of try to infiltrate, you know, that movement, that movement was, was very infiltrated. And um, so I think it has to be like a, I don't know why it just makes me think again of like that middle path of like with everything of like I think it's so important to have both like on this earth I think you have to have that unconditional love you know you have to have that but then at the same time you also have to have kind of that ferocity and like that sovereignty you know and that ability to not um allow yourself to be like in infiltrated or allow yourself to be um what's the word like infringed upon because we live in a realm where it doesn't matter how uh you know wooey wooey you want to be that's beautiful but it's like i think that it's part of the earth curriculum you know honestly is like you have to kind of have also that um fire you know does that make sense yeah like that balance Mm -hmm. the light and the dark i mean like the master of both not just one but really both i think that's why we come here so um i don't know how that relates because it's like it doesn't it's so important to remember that like love and unconditional love is it it's the truth but it's also in it's it is connected with like sovereignty and strength and like you know the whole the wholeness yeah i think i view it as Personally, I view it as unconditional love doesn't equal unconditional tolerance. And I think unconditional love is more about your embodiment of love doesn't change no matter what you're faced with, which doesn't mean that your action is the same in every situation, but nothing pulls you out of that anchoring in of love. And I think it can be unconditional love and distance <laughs> or like mm -hmm. unconditional love and like you can't be around me. <laughs> but like, it's just that nothing outside of you changes that you're anchoring in that unconditional love for yourself and for the collective and for all. But yeah, I don't think we're called to be doormats as we talked about or to be run over. I think, you know, it's like we can hold all this complexity inside of ourselves. Like I see you and I have love for you and I hold that love, but you don't have space in my life because of what your agenda is or what what your goal is does not align with who I am or who I'm choosing to be, but I still have that unconditional love for you. Exactly. And it's honestly, even just that awareness alone is, is powerful. You know what I mean? And that's where I think it's just so important to understand that balance. Cause um, yeah, I think that's part of being grounded. You know, that's another thing with like the, the third dimension, like working with the earth and gardening is like, it's so abundant. It's so beautiful. It sustains its life, but it's also, um, you know, it can be kind of, it's hardcore. Like it's just the nature of this, this specific realm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, 
it is hardcore. And it's like, it's not that we need to fear that or hate that or freak out about it, but it's like, there has to be an awareness of what is, you know what I mean? And like a, in that wisdom and that groundedness, you know, the groundedness in this third dimension where things are polar, very polarized, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of energy compacted. And so that there's whole implications for that beyond what my, my conscious mind at this moment could even understand. And I feel like most of us don't understand the true energy that we are, that is on this planet, and like all the ways that that affects us on a daily basis, and like how we're engaging, we're engaging with energy that we don't even have a, we're not really even fathoming. But you know, the Earth is is I, I find Mother Earth very loving and nice, and there's soft beds of grass, but there's also those thorns <laughs> on the roses, and there's also you know what I mean, like some really weird looking insects. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's with each other dude have you ever seen like them like tearing each other's heads off it's like whoa yeah yeah and the animals too i mean it's it is it is brutal but it's like it's part of the mystery school you know it's it's you know it's not wrong because it's their nature you know what i mean like those animals don't walk around with guilt that it just tore into another animal because it's like this is natural for what where I'm that level of conscious for the animal. But when we do that, it's messed up because we know another way. You know what I mean? But it's it it is like that acceptance of like that's that animal's operating at its level of consciousness. Like sometimes I have to remind myself with that, like with my dog, like my dog eats something weird. I'm like, why would you do that? Like, why would you think to eat that? It's like, oh yeah, you're a dog. Or like, you know what I mean? Or like my cat's like doing some weird cat stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> Why are you acting like that? Oh, yeah, you're a cat. Like, you're just doing what cats do. Like, you're just doing what dogs do. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. You know, again, it comes back to, like, that mystery. It's, like, it's just so beautiful. Life is so beautiful, and life is strange. And it's, like, we're all kind of experiencing that um, together, but in our own way. Yeah. I love that. Because, like, there's so much there's so many levels to when you're talking about nature and the nature of nature, someone may live at the beach, but they can see that in their own way, right? With the ocean where the ocean can gently like lap your legs or the ocean can knock you down and try to pull you in. And it's like, there's just all these levels of like complexity and all these dynamics in nature that are just like, wow. When you really look at it, you know, you could view that as an issue that the ocean is powerful, or you could just be like, the ocean's powerful. I have to respect that, pow that power that the ocean has. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. And I think that's what I'm trying to say too, is, is that balance. You know what I mean? Cause then it's like, we have, you know, free, free will. So it's like, how are we going to, you know, treat that is like, have that respect, you know, maybe go swimming in the ocean, but maybe, you know, if there's a hurricane coming, you should probably uh, do something to prepare for that. <laughs> Yeah, that respect piece is there's so many because there's so many ways that you could even define that. I think respect can be just like reverence for something, but I think respect is also like treating it respectfully too with nature, where like we're not causing more harm to nature than we're supposed to as humans. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love it. I love this conversation. Imagination, ooh, grounding in the nature of imagination. <laughs> 
Oh, I love it. <laughs> is that the title? <laughs> I don't know. Does it even make sense? Or is it just a word soup? Like, <laughs> Makes sense to me. <laughs> Grounding yeah. in nature and imagination. That could work. Yeah. We'll that goes, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work out the kinks. Let <laughs> me think back to like what you you said a few episodes ago about like anchoring in and also ascending to new heights like I just feel like it's such a theme yeah it is and and even like the worthiness like maybe to kind of conclude with that because I think that is also connected with it as well it's just remembering like the worthiness whether you know I think we all kind of have unworthiness trauma as a human but you know, whether that's something that one really struggles with or not, I think that is part of like our evolution inherently is like remembering, remembering our inherent worthiness, because that's literally part of our expansion. You know, that's part of how we continue to, to allow ourselves to go higher into like our spirit and our imagination and allow ourselves to anchor deeper and build, you know, because it's like, I am worth it. You know, this is worth it. I am literally God incarnated, expressing and experiencing itself. And this is wanting to come forth for a reason, you know, even though I may be in, um, you know, whatever your belief systems are about the, the inverted nature of like the box, the matrix that we're in, you know, you're also, it's kind of crazy because you're also in that and you're also like bringing forth this stuff in a, environment that is you know can be very challenging but it's not about being discouraged by the challenge it's about like using it as your fuel but it's all part of the process you know it's all part of it it's all beautiful yeah and it makes it makes me think about worthiness something that i i of uh, i was thinking about a little while ago is just like every emotion has a higher and lower aspect and so when we're feeling that unworthiness, it's just like, okay, this is a lower aspect. And it is showing me something, right? Showing me how I'm viewing myself. Good to know that I'm having those limiting thoughts. So those are in my psyche or those thoughts are in my nervous system somewhere. That's a key, right? Like it's showing something, but it's like, then, you know, if you don't want to be in that space, what to do is to shift out of that shift, some shift. But I think a big thing too, is like what keeps us locked into unworthiness is the shame. And I think what's interesting in relation to this conversation is like when you look at nature, there's no shame there. And also there's no shame in any things that come through our imagination. We bring that energy. So when we can operate from our worthiness, you know, we're no longer shaming the imaginative parts of ourselves or the parts of ourselves that are just natural. You know what I mean? And I think that is a way that it all connects because we're the ones that bring the shame in to things that have no inherent shame. Even we don't have inherent shame. We just, that conditioning can make us feel that way. Yeah. And you know, what's crazy too about like the, the shame is, and especially when you're bringing forth creations is like, it's like, it's kind of, again, like there's like that duality of like, there's like shame or like criticism. And then there's like praise, you know, it's like, and it's like, they're, they're both, we experience it, but in a way, like what I have found is like, they're both in a way kind of irrelevant because you're not really creating for praise or for change. You're creating for the sake of it. You're just create like, the, like nature doesn't create and be like, you know, like 
I hope they like it. It just, it kind of just is, you know, we all, and like, that's the, again, coming back to that heart of like the mystery and like creation, like, I don't know. I just feel like it really is for the sake of it. it it's like not a problem to be solved necessarily. It is, you know, it just is, I don't know. Yeah. I love that you keep bringing that in, like the acceptance of what is, because it's so transformative and freeing and powerful, you know? And yeah. I think even, even the acceptance can shift us out of unworthiness or shame because there's going to be parts of ourselves that we may not like, that we may not be super like crazy about. But, you know, if we can stop shaming those parts, we actually, I think that's another way to shift out of unworthiness. And I think it's so interesting you brought up praise because I think praise is the lower aspect of admiration because admiration mm. isn't necessarily putting something above you but praises, but admiration is like, wow, I really appreciate that. Or like, huh, I really, you know, I can just really admire that thing that someone created or that I see in nature. And it's still operating from a place of worthiness because I think praise can shift you into unworthiness or shame. Like, oh, you can do something I can't. And I feel bad about myself. Yeah, that's really, really well said because it is amazing to inspire each other and yeah i think that's so beautiful because it because it because it comes because then it's so it's just so important to have like that innate cultivate that innate unconditional self-worth you know what i mean because i know in my experience even receiving praise you know it can kind of be distorting because it's like mm. you know what i mean it's like oh you know it's like i'm pleasing like you know what i mean like i'm glad that people enjoy you know what i'm creating but you know i have to kind of center myself and remember it's not necessarily about that you know what I mean it's not about receiving praise or criticism you know for me at least it's I do want to inspire people you know I want to inspire people that's my biggest one of my biggest goals but but it's important I think because you have to remember that you're you're bringing forth something greater than um you know greater than than you so it's like you don't want to have that judgment surrounding it you know yeah and it's perfect that you use the word inspired because inspired is like in spirit right so when you're inspiring something it's because you're in the spirit and that's inspiring that in someone else so it's like such a beautiful humble but like not self-degrading way to view creation of like i want it to inspire you but i think you know before i ask you the simple tips for how someone could walk in their imagination because i love that <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to say that i feel like praise can be a hook right like you can get hooked on it and it's like someone's praising you, but they're also kind of holding you captive if you're dependent on that praise. I, it makes me think of uh, this song that Sean Mendez and Justin Bieber had. Where it was like, you put me on a pedestal and tell me I'm the best. And the song is about how like when they are not perfect or they can't be this perfect idea that people have made them by putting them on a pedestal, the criticism and I think that's where the hook of praise comes in. Because if you just admire something, you're like, I appreciate that for what it is. You know what I mean? But praise is like trying to lift it above its station, which can like, then when someone's just who they are, it's like you're judging them against a standard that they didn't ask to be compared to. Um, mm. But it, it did make me think about that. Because I think when we talk about creation and bringing in stuff from our imagination, that can be a tricky thing to deal with. But I love the idea of just creating from a place of aiming to inspire. 
Yeah, with the truth, you know, that's why the, yeah, that's perfect. That's a really perfect, like, um, example, because exactly, yeah, like, the the praise can definitely, like, unwittingly can put you in a box that can get, like, really, really tight until you realize, like, oh, you know, here I am again, like, maybe trying to receive something about this, like, re receive something for this or cater to something about this when really, Again, the best art seems to be more from a place of like, for the sake, for the sake of it, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, opportunities, abundance, um, you know, things will come of it. It's naturally, it, things like that actually will come most when you are just being who you are, I think. Um, but that yeah, flow. it can be hard that <laughs> with that. Yeah, that flow. What What would you say is a good way for someone to not only tap into their imagination, but experiment with walking in their imagination and dwelling there and staying there and visiting. <laughs> yeah, that's so beautiful. I'd say um, the first part would be to, the key is to relax as much as you can. It's, you know, I think that's the key is to like get, yeah, like maybe like do if you have to, like not to complicate it because I want to keep it simple, but you know, if you want to stretch or, you know, do something that makes you feel kind of relaxed or happy um you know depending on on what and how you're feeling but yeah the key is just to kind of get into a place where you can you know i like to just sit you know in meditation and get to a place where you can relax so breathing is key, is key cuz really the what you're doing is um getting into like a theta brainwave you know which is more slow relaxed kind of hypnotic brainwave and I want to re remind everyone, too, that it's very natural. You know, we're always kind of going into this brainwaves, you know, when we watch TV or when we drive. We're always actually accessing the theta brainwave. So you don't want to, again, you don't need to put that on a pedestal like, oh, my God, it's this unattainable thing. It, it's very, very natural. So just remember that. So really, you're just relaxing and coaxing yourself for, for a minute or however long you feel like you need to. Taking big breaths. And I start to just kind of, you know, breathe, relax, get into my body, release any tension. Sometimes, I, a lot of times in the beginning, I like to kind of feel this light around me. And again, it's very, very much on, you got to just play and, then that, and just be free. There's no limits. Just play like you were like a little kid and relaxing and allowing, you know, and that analytical mind might come in and be like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Isn't it supposed to be like this? Am I supposed to be seeing something? Like, it's always that. It's just kind of like, you know, be like, just try to have a good humor about it and be like, yeah, like, okay, I'm just gonna keep playing, doing what I'm doing. And, um, you know, I, I guess the first place to start then, once you're kind of in that state now, breathing, and it's so easy, it's so simple. You can imagine, you know, going on a walk. So you could imagine like a path, you know, and it can be anything. Maybe it's asphalt. Maybe it's grass. Maybe you're in the woods. Maybe you're on the beach. Whatever you feel, there's literally no limit. Maybe you're on another planet. You could be literally anywhere and just imagine, just, what come, just see what comes. You know, it's, it's a give and take. So you are imagining it, but your higher self is naturally there right with you innately helping you to kind of paint this picture you know that's like it's very much both so then you can imagine this path and then you could just imagine like you would like you know go on a walk 
and you know it's again it's give and take maybe you want to imagine some birds or maybe you just see a, a dog or you know it's like you don't know you know you just and just take at least at least two minutes at least five minutes i would say but the more you practice this the more you will enjoy it and you'll want to stay there longer because it really is so beautiful but just literally see what happens you know you might see a sunset you might see a person you might see a spirit guide a flower it's all so symbolic you don't know what you really don't even know what you know you're going to end up seeing and then so that's really that's really it and when you, when you feel complete with that you know kind of open starting to come back into this um you know this state of consciousness and being and i highly recommend writing it down especially in the beginning because you'll be amazed sometimes you like i know when i was first starting i would have like these crazy visions and and after i'd be like well that was cool but then when i wrote it down i'm like oh wow i actually like did some stuff and then you could even take it to the next step if you want and like you know anything you did see if you saw any again animals or people or flowers or colors anything you can ponder on what that might have meant or you can even look up symbolically like what is the meaning of, of an owl or what is the, you know you can look up what these things symbolically mean in the psyche and you'll be amazed because it will be most likely like spot on with what you're experiencing um so yeah really that's that's i think the best way to start to just to get into it I love that because not only are you doing it for the sake of it, but as a consequence, you know, your imagination is tied to your third eye, which is into, really tied to your intuition and discernment. And so it's like as a consequence of just doing that for the sake of it, you're also strengthening your intuitive ability and your discernment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's just incredible. And, and also accessing your subconscious mind when while just doing something for fun, which like... <laughs> You know, like my brain, I'm like, yeah, do it because you're strengthening your intuition. <laughs> that, that's not the point. But just as a consequence of doing this beautiful, amazing thing, you know, there's these like benefits to it that it's like a bonus. Yeah, it's incredible. It's, you know, it's so um, I don't think people realize people, including myself, you know, I have to remind myself like I did today, like, wow, there's so much power here because, you know, even like it's so true how, you know, people say the the mind it doesn't distinguish a difference between your imagination and this reality it really doesn't so it's also mm -hmm. part of manifestation you know if you're trying to um you know manifest something you know easy example like manifest happiness and more happiness in your life and your imagination you can imagine what would it be like to be happy and you start you practicing that you're literally going to experience more happiness in your physical life so there's really no limits to what you can do that's amazing. I guess I do have one final question. Have you, throughout your journey, have you found like in your life that direct connection? Like the more that you embody your imagination, you find that the manifestation ability is like more, what, what's the word? There's, there's a quicker pathway in your reality. Oh yeah, definitely. 100%. Yeah. And I also will say it is like very much like a muscle. So there's been times in my life where, you know, if I'm really practicing, I really feel my third eye. I feel it all starting to activate and it's, it, get, it gets really, really strong. Like I don't even need to be closing my eyes in meditation to start seeing 
things. But I also notice, again, it's a muscle. So if I kind of get distracted and I stop doing that, I will notice it starts to kind of go down again. And I won't, I actually won't be, you know, I won't be doing, I won't be seeing as clearly all the time. So that's why it is so important to practice. Wow. There's so much more here. We're probably going to have to do a whole other, like, there's so much more there. Any final thoughts, Regan? Oh, I feel so complete with that. I'm just so grateful. You know, this hour and a half just flies by with these conversations. I know. I'm like, wait, how is it already <laughs> an hour and a half? <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. What about you? Do you have anything that you want to finish finish on with? Honestly, I just feel so grateful for this conversation. I feel like I learned so much and like I feel so inspired just from like oh, this conversation. Um, so I guess we'll we'll end it there. I'll let you sign off, Reagan. I always do it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening. So much love to all of you. We are just so grateful to be here and hope you all have a beautiful rest of your day. I'm Reagan. I'm Bianca. And this is a Breath of Fresh Air podcast.